Well, good evening, everyone. I am used to welcoming everyone who is with me in the auditorium and welcoming everyone who is watching online. But tonight, things are kind of backwards and I'm at home and joining you through technology. And, and there are many of you that are gathered in the auditorium. So I wanna say as always, welcome to those who are with us or with you in the auditorium or that are joining us at home online. It is so good that technology allows us to be together even when we're apart. Uh, my situation, of course, is like many of you have been dealing with over the last few weeks and months and years now uh, that one of our family members, Noah, our youngest son, uh, actually has COVID right now. He's getting better. He's improving. He's doing well, thankfully, but we're all quarantined right now. So we thought that this would be a good opportunity for me to join you online and use technology so that we could still be together and we can continue our class series on the book of James. We took a couple of weeks off because of the holidays, and so I didn't want to miss another opportunity to be with you and to continue this incredibly relevant book of James and to contemplate and think about and discuss what James has to teach us about being religious people. And again, as we've been talking about, if you've been with us through this series, we've been talking about how we tend to think about religion similarly to the way people in James's day thought about religion. We tend to think that religion is something that we think about, something that we talk about, maybe something that we practice when we offer up prayers, when we uh, engage in worship activities. But for James, religion, pure and undefiled religion, is about everything that we do in our life. And for James, he, he will say over and over again things that sound a whole lot like our sayings when we say, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Don't just tell me you have faith. Show me your faith. Don't just tell me that you are religious. Show me your religion by the way you care for the widows and the orphans and you keep yourself unstained from the world. So for James, it's about not just being hearers of the word, people who just hear truth, but doers of the word, people who practice righteousness, who do what is right and good, who live a life of living out their faith, living out their religion. And so we've been contemplating and challenging ourselves by looking at the book of James and hopefully not just listening to James, but practicing what he has to say so that we're not just hearers only, but doers of the word. So we're going to start tonight talking about this idea of wisdom. And when we think about wisdom, we might think of other words that are related to wisdom like knowledge. Uh, sometimes I, I always heard that knowledge is knowing information and wisdom is knowing what to do with that information. I heard a, a funny sentence one time, and you've probably heard this too, that knowledge is knowing that, tomato, that a tomato is technically a fruit but wisdom is knowing not to put it on a fruit salad, right? That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing not to put it on a fruit salad. So wisdom is not just having information, but knowing what to do with that information. What are we doing with the things that we know? And of course, this is what the entire book of James is about, is about what are we 
doing, not just what are we saying, not just what are we believing. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in James chapter 3, starting in verse 13. And James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Again, in keeping with everything else James has said throughout this entire sermon, throughout this entire book, is about showing, showing our wisdom, not just saying we have wisdom. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? And almost, you can almost hear his audience saying, I'm wise, I'm wise, I'm a religious person, I'm a wise person, I'm a teacher. And there's so many of people in, in James's audience who want to think of themselves or present themselves or position themselves as being religious or having faith or being teachers. And over and over again, his commentary to them is, show me. Stop saying it. Stop just thinking it. This isn't something you think about or something you talk about. It's something that you do. So if you have wisdom, don't tell me you have wisdom show me you have wisdom. And specifically, he says that we show it by the meekness of wisdom. In James's mind, in God's mind, in the Spirit's mind, wisdom is meek. Wisdom is meek, the meekness of wisdom. If we don't have meekness, we don't have wisdom. If we're not living meekly, then we are not living wisely. A meekness, and I think we've even defined it before in this class, when we talked about receiving with meekness the implanted word as so that it's able to save our souls. Meekness means the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. I like that. The quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. So how does that apply to wisdom? This humility, this gentleness, this courtesy, this considerateness are other ways that we might define or other ways we might translate this word that we translate as meekness, gentleness, humility, courtesy, considerateness. A wise person, a meek person, the wisdom of meekness, or the meekness of wisdom rather, the meekness of wisdom is not trying to prove yourself, not trying to prove that you're better than other people, not trying to outdo each other, not trying to be stronger or smarter or bigger or richer or more powerful than other people. It's a gentleness, a humility, a courtesy, a considerateness, a willingness to let others go in front of you, a willingness to be last, so that others can be first. Verse 14, James says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. So here he contrasts the, the meekness of wisdom with bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And he says, if you have these things in your hearts, don't boast and be false to the truth. Again, James's whole point throughout the whole book is about don't lie to yourself. When you say you're religious, but yet you're not caring for the widows and the orphans, and you're not keeping yourself unstained from the world, you're lying to yourself about your religion. When you say you have faith, but you have no works, you're lying to yourself because your faith is really dead. 
When, when you say that you are a teacher, but yet you're talking out of both sides of your mouth and you're using the same mouth to curse people and to bless God, you're lying to yourself. And he says that when you say you're wise, but yet you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, you're lying to yourself. You're boasting and you're being false to the truth. This bitter jealousy is this this bitter feeling that we have in our stomach, in our heart, when we see someone else succeeding, when we see someone else having something that we want, when we see someone else being honored, when we see someone else being successful and it makes us sick and we want what they have. Selfish ambition, of course, is this fierce competitiveness that makes us want to outdo other people and climb higher than them and step on whoever we need to step on or take whatever we need to take to get to the next level. And James says, if, if this is what's in your heart, then you're, you're boasting and you're being false to the truth. This is not real wisdom. This is not godly wisdom. Of course, this type of competitiveness, this type of selfish ambition, this type of bitter jealousy, it often passes itself off as wisdom. People who engage in and, and harbor this and foster bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, they can convince themselves that they're actually just being wise, that they're being shrewd, that they're being strategic, that they're doing what's in their own best interest. And James is saying that is evidence that you're not really living with or having wisdom that is from above. He says this type of wisdom, this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, is this is the wisdom, verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And I want you to think about those words that he uses, earthly, unspiritual and demonic. These aren't just empty pejoratives. These are realities. This is what bitter jealousy is. This is what selfish ambition is. It's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, that selfish drive to have what other people have or to outdo one another, this fierce competitiveness that pushes others aside and is self-seeking. This, this ambition, this desire, this passion, they are demonic and distorted desires. Demonic and distorted desires. There are desires, passions, a, a burning, an ambition even that's good. There's a good drive. God designed us to be passionate God designed us to be enthusiastic. God designed us to have drive, but a drive that's for other people, not against other people. God designed us with a drive that is for the betterment of humanity, for the betterment of our neighbor, for the betterment of our family, for the betterment of our community, for the betterment of our enemies, for the betterment of everyone. God designed us with this drive, with this ambition that's supposed to make the world a better place. But Satan corrupts and distorts those desires. And so those desires become demonic and distorted when they become selfish and jealous and bitter. And we recognize that in our own hearts, don't we? 
that that bitterness and that jealousy and that selfish ambition, that self-centeredness, that drive, not for the betterment of others, but for our own selfish, self-seeking, self-interests, this is demonic and distorted desires. It took the good desires that God put in us. Satan took those good desires that are in us that drive, that ambition to make the world a better place and distorted those so that they became selfish, so that we're trying to get our own and look out for ourselves and say, if if I don't look out for me, nobody else will. So I'm gonna take care of myself. You take care of yourself. I'll take care of myself. I'm not gonna worry about you. I'm just gonna do what's in my best interest. And James says this so-called wisdom It often disguises itself as wisdom or tries to pass itself off as wisdom. This is earthly wisdom. This is demonic wisdom. This is distorted wisdom. This isn't wisdom from above. But but that's exactly what the world and what so many of us try to pass off as wisdom because it, it makes sense. It's reasonable. It's logical to look out for yourself. It's logical to, as they say, look out for number one, to take care of yourself, to get yours before it's too late. And James says this, this type of of not just living, but this that's in our hearts. When this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is in our hearts, it does not reflect wisdom from above. This is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And again, our distorted desires, they disguise themselves as wisdom and we can convince ourselves. We can convince ourselves that our jealousy and ambition are wise things, logical things, reasonable things. We could even say it's common sense. It's common sense to look out for yourself. And James says, even if it's common, even if it's logical, even if it's reasonable, even if your neighbors say, oh, that's the wise thing to do, that doesn't mean it's from above. It doesn't mean that it's spiritual wisdom, godly wisdom. This is earthly wisdom, unspiritual and demonic. He says in verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. When there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder and every vile practice. And we can, we can look at this, can't we? We can see the, the reality of this, the evidence of this, that when you see disorder, when you see chaos, when you see sin and every vile practice, you can trace it back and guarantee there's someone acting with selfishness, there's someone acting in jealousy, there's someone acting for what's in what they believe in their best interest. They're not looking out for others. They're looking out for themselves. They're being selfish. They're being jealous. They're they're afraid of their power or their treasure or their pleasure or whatever being taken away from them. And so they're acting in self-preservation mode. They're, They're acting in selfish ambition mode. And it leads to chaos, disorder, every vile practice. And this is true on a personal level that when we see in ourselves our our own evil practices, vile practices, when we see our own chaos and disorder, it's usually because we personally acted in ways that were selfish and jealous and ambitious in a self-seeking, self-serving kind of way. But it's also true on a societal level, isn't it? 
that when a group of people, whatever group of people that is, when a group of people act selfishly, when a group of people act jealously, and they're looking out only for themselves, then we see chaos, disorder, war, conflict, death, destruction, and every vile practice. This is what humanity does. And, and humanity passes this off as wisdom. We say, well, it's, it's reasonable, it's logical, it just makes perfect sense. It's, it's, uh, it's um, common sense to do this, to look out for myself, for us to look out for our own. And we're just gonna take care of our own group and look out for our own interests. The world looks at that and says, well, that's just reasonable, it's logical, it makes common sense. And James says, but do you see all of this disorder and all of these vile practices? Do you see this? This is not the wisdom that comes from above. The wisdom that comes from above is not selfish. The wisdom that comes from above is not ambitious in a self-serving kind of way. The, the wisdom that comes from above is not bitter and jealous. And then he describes what that wisdom from above really looks like. This is what godly wisdom looks like. This is what wisdom from the Spirit looks like. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So James says this is what real wisdom looks like. Just as he said, this is what real faith looks like. Faith looks like doing good works, religion that's pure and undefiled. This is what it looks like. It looks like caring for the widow and the orphan and keeping yourself unstained from the world. Here he says, this is what real wisdom looks like, what godly wisdom looks like. Don't, don't say you have wisdom if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Real godly wisdom looks like this, pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Let's kind of walk through those for just a minute. The first one, pure. Wisdom from above doesn't justify sinful behavior. Wisdom from above is pure. It does what's right, even when that doesn't seem to be in its own self-interest. And isn't it amazing how we can justify all kinds of things and say, well, it's, it's wise to do this. I know it's probably wrong. I know it's probably bad. I know I probably shouldn't do this, but it makes sense. It's reasonable. It's logical. It's wise. It's strategic. When, when we're practicing and using a wisdom that is earthly and unspiritual and demonic, it's not pure. It, it can and does justify all kinds of sinful and vile practices. And we all do this. We have all done this. We see this happening all around us. When we say, I'm just going to do what's in my own best interest. I'm going to follow my own ambitions. I'm going to follow my own heart. I'm going to do what preserves my life and my happiness and my prosperity and my whatever. I'm going to take care of me well, then we can justify any manner of behavior that we want to because we can say, well, it served my interests. But wisdom that's from above is first pure. It does what is right and good and true and noble and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy. It does good things and it doesn't justify evil and wrongdoing. Number two, it's peaceable. 
Wisdom from above puts relationships above self-interest. Wisdom from above is peaceable. It puts relationships above self-interest. It says, what's, what's good for us? Not just what's good for me, but what's good for us? What's good for this? What's good for this relationship? Is this going to make for peace? Wisdom from above is concerned about reconciliation. It's not just concerned about what, what I want or what I need or my interests or my rights, but wisdom from above is peaceable. It's interested in relationship. It's interested in peace. It's interested in, in reconciliation. Wisdom from above is gentle. And this is defined, the Greek word that we define or we translate as gentle could be defined this way, not insisting on every right or letter of law or custom, yielding, gentle, kind, courteous, tolerant. This is what, this is what the Holy Spirit says. This is what spiritual, godly wisdom looks like. It's gentle. It's gentle. It's not harsh. It's not always insisting, well, this is my right, and, and I, I demand to be able to do this, and, and I think I should be able to do this. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't, it doesn't try to preserve its own stuff. The wisdom that is from above is not insisting on every right or letter of law or custom. It's yielding. It's gentle. It's kind. It's courteous. It's tolerant. Wisdom from above says, here, take mine. Wisdom from above says, use mine. Wisdom from above says, I'll go with you, not just the mile you demand for me to go. I'll go with you the extra mile. I don't have to, but I'm interested in making peace. I'm interested in relationship. I'm interested in reconciliation, not just in preserving what's mine, not just in preserving my rights or my treasure or my pleasure or my power, but in doing what is pleasing to my heavenly father. But then the next one, he says, wisdom from above is open to reason. The way I like to define this idea of reasonableness or open to reason is easy to get along with. The, the lexicon puts it this way, it's compliant or obedient. Compliant or obedient, easy to get along with, open to reason, reasonable. This is what wisdom from above is. It's not just concerned about, well, that doesn't make sense or, or that doesn't add up or I, I don't think this is very logical. Wisdom from above is easy to get along with. It's, it's easy to reason with. It's easy to, to, to be compliant, to be obedient, to say, you know what? I don't have to be right. I don't have to have things my way. Why don't you do it this way? Yes, let's, let's do it your way. Let's, let's go your way. Let's go your path. It is full of mercy and good fruits, full of mercy and good fruits, kindness, compassion, caring about someone else's needs. That's what mercy is. Mercy is kindness. Mercy is compassion. Mercy is pity. Mercy is caring about someone else's needs, but it's not just full of compassion, like a, a heartfelt compassion. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It sees someone else's needs. It sees someone else's hurts. And then wisdom from above rushes to meet other people's needs. See, earthly wisdom, unspiritual wisdom, demonic wisdom is only concerned about my rights, my needs, my hurts, my wounds, what's best for me, 
what preserves my stuff. But wisdom from above is full of mercy and compassion, and it's full of good fruits. It, it, it rushes to meet the needs of other people. The Good Samaritan in Jesus' parable is, is practicing wisdom from above. I'm sure in the parable, the, the priest and the Levite who passed by on the other side of the road, I'm sure they were being reasonable in their own minds. They were being logical in their own minds. I'm sure if you stopped them, they would have had a number of reasons why they didn't stop to help the man who was, was near death and who'd been robbed. I'm sure they would have had a whole list of reasons that in their mind seemed very logical and justifiable, reasonable and wise but they weren't practicing wisdom from above because wisdom from above is full of mercy and good fruits. And the Samaritan, he may not have been able to, to create a spreadsheet of all the reasons why stopping and helping the man who was beat up and robbed was the right thing to do and the best thing to do, but he was wise. He was wise because his actions were full of mercy and good fruits. It, it's not only that, it's also impartial, impartial. And James has already talked to us about partiality and showing partiality. He talked about when, when two people come into your assembly, one is, is rich and well-dressed and the other is poor and he's wearing shabby, dirty clothes. If you show partiality towards the rich man and you say, here, have a good seat, and to the poor man, here, you sit at my feet, you're showing partiality and you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. You're not keeping the law. And, and he says, wisdom from above is impartial. Wisdom from above doesn't show that type of partiality. It doesn't make unfair judgments about people. That's what wisdom from above does. It shows impartiality rather than partiality. And then finally, sincere. Sincere. Wisdom from above is sincere. It's without pretense. It's genuine. It's not putting on a show for people. Again, I want us to think about what we typically think of when we think about wisdom. When we think about wisdom, when we think about someone who is wise, when you think about a person who's wise, I always think about somebody with a long beard for some reason, I, an older person, an older man with a long beard, and he has all the answers. And you go to him and you ask him questions and he has all the answers. For James, Wisdom isn't just somebody who has all the answers. For James, this is what wisdom looks like. Wisdom is pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I think James's audience was probably a lot of religious men who had long beards. And if you came to them and you asked them religious questions, they'd have a lot of religious answers. And, and they could sit and talk theology and they could debate different ethics and different choices and different ideas all day long. And I'm pretty sure James's audience would have been experts at all of that reasoning and logic and philosophy and theology. But for James, that doesn't necessarily show that a person's wise, whether or not they have answers to questions, whether or not somebody has love, compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility. That's what shows that a person has real wisdom, wisdom from above. 
the people who are strategically moving and negotiating and, and competing to have different positions on the hierarchy of ladders out in the world or even amongst religious people, that's not wisdom. Wisdom does not harbor selfish ambition or bitter jealousy in its heart. Wisdom from above is not trying to get one over on someone else. Wisdom from above isn't trying to take what's theirs before someone else does. Wisdom from above isn't self-seeking and it's not interested in self-preservation. Wisdom from above is interested in making peace. And that's what he says here in the next verse, verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Righteousness, that's a word that we find all the time in the Bible, but sometimes we don't really stop to define it. It's about justice. It's about fairness. It's about equity. It's about everybody getting what's right and what's good and having what's right and what's good, having what they deserve to have. And isn't it interesting? We think in our earthly wisdom, in our earthly wisdom, we think that a harvest of righteousness can be had when we take what's ours, when we protect what's ours. And that's what we do from the time we're children. And we see something and we say, well, that's not fair. I'm not being treated fairly. I'm not getting what I deserve. I'm not getting my piece of the pie. We think I have to fight for it. We think that if we're going to have a harvest of righteousness, then we have to fight for it. But Jesus teaches, and Jesus' little brother James teach us, that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The only way we can reap a harvest of righteousness, justice, fairness, equity, is to sow seeds of peace. That's the only way we have a harvest of righteousness, so that we actually get what we deserve. We get what God wants us to have. We want God's blessings. We want God's mercy. We want the inheritance that God has promised to his people. And the only way to have that righteousness forever, that, that world of righteousness, that new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells, the only way to inherit that is to make peace is to sow seeds of peace. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the only way. This is the only way to experience the life now and forever that God wants us to have, is to practice real religion, to have real faith that produces real works, to to really have wisdom that's from above, not a wisdom that harbors bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, not a, a wisdom that's self-seeking, not even a wisdom that's asking, does this make sense? Because you can make anything make sense. And, and that's the truth, isn't it? Anything you want to do, anything that you think this is the end that I want to achieve, you can use any kind of warped logic that you want to use. I know I can. I know we can all use whatever logic we want to to make anything make sense. 
to, to arrive at the conclusions we want to arrive at. But godly wisdom does not simply ask, does it make sense? But rather, does it make peace? Does this make peace? Am I sowing seeds of peace? That's what godly wisdom does. Godly wisdom, wisdom from above, is pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. All of us, anyone, a spiritual person, a religious person, a, a non-religious person, a believer, an unbeliever, any of us can, can sort of justify the end. We can make anything we want make sense. We can arrive at any conclusion we want to and use any kind of reasoning that we want to to justify it. That's not wisdom. Wisdom isn't doing what we want to do and keeping what we want to keep and getting what we want to get and then trying to, to sort of mentally justify that and say, well, it, it's, just, it's just common sense. It's just wise. It's just strategic for me to do this or to have this or for me to, to do things in this way. Wisdom from above, real wisdom, wisdom from the spirit, wisdom that's not earthly, not unspiritual, not demonic. Wisdom from above asks, does this make peace? And that's what we want to be, isn't it? We want to be wise people. And if we're going to be wise people, then we have to understand that our selfish ambition and our bitter jealousy, that these are demonic and distorted desires, that Satan has turned our passions and desires inside out. And the only hope is for the Spirit of God to turn us right side out, for the Spirit of God to put things right side up, for the Spirit of God to transform us back to the way we're supposed to be. And so we, we pray for that. We pray for God to give us wisdom from above, knowing that he gives generously to those who ask. And we put away bitter jealousy and selfish ambition and say, I'm not going to seek my own interests. But like Jesus, I'm going to make myself a servant, consider others more significant than myself, and look out for their interests and not just mine. That's what real wisdom from above looks like. Thank you so very much for letting me join you virtually tonight. I hope and pray that you have a wonderful week. I know that you're going to be closed in a prayer here in just a second, but I look forward to being with you on Sunday, and I love and appreciate all of you. God bless. Good night.